Welcome back, gentlemen. Hey. 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 I'm walking here. Oh, I wonder if any of our listeners in America will um, find that offensive. That was merely my impression of Al Pacino, not a, a more general. Um, but actually, yeah, the um, the week where we can talk New York teams, actually. So, yeah, maybe that New York impression is uh, more more fitting than I would have thought. Any, anyway, how the devil are you both? Yeah, good. Nice. Pumped good. after another good week of NFL. Um, you like the way I went from a New York impression to the most English turn of phrase? Yes. Guess. How the devil are you, both? Tremendous old chap. Thank How you. are you doing? Are you well? <laughs> Always well. Oh, there's a blast from the past. Yeah, JB, how are you? Uh, I'm I'm good. I am in, in, I think, rare spirits based on our pre-pod conversations. Put me in a very good mood. Good, good. The, uh, the fact that the pod will have a lot to live up to based on uh, the general hilarity and uh, entirely unbroadcastable nature of our pre-pod uh, banter. There's, there you go. There's a high bar we've set it's, ourselves. It's it's amazing the joy that you can bring when someone comes from Birmingham. Well, exactly that. Exactly that. A long story. Everyone in Listenerland, um, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll relay that story in the off season. Maybe we'll do we like an to... after dark special at some point. Yeah, for indeed, Christmas. indeed. Whenever I load our pod onto Spotify and it said does your pod contain any offensive material or swearing? And you're always tempted to just once go, yes, yes, it does. But but no, worry not, listeners. We're still in a very family-friendly mode. And bringing us back full circle, Aldrin, you said you had enjoyed a wonderful week of the NFL in week 11. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but the last few weeks seem to have just been last-minute drama in loads of games. And this week was kind of no exception. So, yeah. yeah. I like Some, being engaged till the end. Yeah, good. utterly bonkers games. Um, all kinds of talking points from your bog standard officials can't officiate right the way through to some really interesting debates about who is still alive and who can count their season done. I mean, I'm sure we'll get on to the misfortune facing Joe Burrow and, of course, his Cincinnati Bengals, who I think might have just seen their uh, ceiling this season uh, reduced drastically with his injury. And a whole host of stuff to dig into. But I'm with you, Aldrin. If last week was a week full of shocks, this week kind of continued the trend, really. Some amazing stuff going on. Literally edge-of-your-seat stuff that only the NFL can deliver. And particularly in a week where you didn't really look at the fixture list. You didn't look at the slate and look beyond really two or three games to think anything was going to be all that exciting. How foolish we were, how little did we know. So, um, JB, what was your abiding memory of Week 11 in the NFL? Week 11 stood out to me because. End that sentence, please. So I, I might be revealing too much behind the curtain of when we are recording this, but it's it's the news that just come out that um, the Colts have released Darius Leonard. It oh, doesn't oh, make any that excitement. Sorry, it's just it's he's one of the best linebackers in the league, and now he's just out on the street to I am assuming end up at the Philadelphia Eagles contributing to winning a Super Bowl. Um, right, no, focus on the actual question. Um, I think it was good Good teams winning out in the end, good teams finding a way to win, um, primarily looking at the uh, the Lions, um, uh, looking at like the Cowboys, 
the Eagles on Monday Night Football. It's 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 that kind of time where you know buys are happening, players are coming back off of injured reserve that sort of went down early on. The teams are starting to find their feet again, and it's it's something that's always said, isn't it? Like you know, good teams find a way to win, and ultimately the good teams found a way to win at the weekend, and the bad teams lost yet again. Well, I'm going to be the reverse of your point in part. Um, as much as I agree with yours, I think you're right. As a few teams take shape, a few teams are unfortunately never going to find their way back, are they? I mean, I mentioned the Bengals and the injury to Joe Burrow. Um, the Jets, I mean, are having all this talk about Aaron Rodgers maybe being back week 15, week 16, but it, it now looks as if that will be, well, far too late. And then you've got other injuries like the Deshaun Watson injury in Cleveland. And whenever you get to this point of the season and there are multiple quarterbacks out and multiple star players who are going to be sitting out the rest of the year, it does make me think of all those roughing the passer calls and all those defenseless player calls that you might sit on a sofa and argue about on a Sunday. But ultimately, that's what they're there for. I think for huge numbers of NFL fans, if you follow any one of those franchises, you know, your enjoyment and the competitiveness of your franchise has, has been changed for potentially an entire season. And I think that's a pity. I think the Bengals were up and down, but interesting. I think the Browns still could be good because they rely so much on their defense, but certainly, you know, Deshaun Watson is a, a loss. And then, you know, with the Jets, I mean, I know they're going down to, you know, their third string quarterback is now going to be their starter in essence. But you do think about how different it could have been if we'd had Aaron Rodgers on the field. Um, I know not all of those injuries were were significant hits and so on and so forth. But I just think those rules around protecting the player that seems so frustrating when you're watching games. Um, you know, sometimes I do have to think back and think, you know, they're all for good reason. They're all for keeping an element of spectacle in this wonderful world of American football. Um, and Aldrin, your takeaway from week 11. Yeah, I think you guys have covered it. But yeah, for me, just the last minute dramas and the the, the never ending unbeatable spirit that the Lions show, I think mm. just every week shines through because they were dead and buried in that game. And I know you're going to do like the roundup of the scores, but yeah, you know, um, it's the Rob Rose kiss of death when you um, eschewed how great Jared Goff was last week and then he threw three interceptions, was it, on yeah. Sunday? But then rallies, doesn't get flustered, just leads the team down the field, finds his targets, and ultimately they come out um, with a score in a bit, um, you know, to, to spare. So, yeah, it's that. But those are the sorts of games that we've seen a lot these yeah. past weeks like i said you know it's it team the amount of games that we've seen going into the two minute warning you know where you think oh they're done there's yeah. no way they're coming back from this and yet still teams fight teams find a way and it just doesn't seem to end you know brown's yeah. similar i mean yeah it was just um a lot of close games that kind of finish unexpectedly I guess so. Yeah, that's my key takeaway: is just the ridiculous, unpredictable nature that we keep seeming to find in the NFL this year. Yeah, and I mean, none more so than when you look at players like Tommy DeVito, who a couple of weeks ago oh, looked yeah. 
you know, absolutely at sea on an NFL field and then leads his team to that type of victory. I mean, there are just always stories to be found, aren't there? And um, we can, you know, dig into them very shortly. Um, But as you say, let's uh, follow tradition. And before we go too much further, let's roll through the scores from last week. So if we go back the best part of a week, to Thursday night football, that will mean that I can talk about the Cincinnati Bengals losing a game as well as their quarterback as they go down to the Baltimore Ravens, 34 points to 20. It was a little more straightforward in Dallas, and the Cowboys are now back at 7-3 and three and amongst the best in the league after a 33-point to 10 win over the Carolina Panthers. The Steelers and Browns, well, one of them had to win. And in a low-scoring affair, it ends up being the supreme defense of Cleveland that nudges past the supreme defense of Pittsburgh, 13 points to 10. We've talked about it already, and I'm sure we'll loop back to it shortly. But the Chicago Bears, with their starter reinstated, looked as if they may be running all over the Detroit Lions. Until they weren't. Detroit ended up winning one late, 31 points to 26 The Chargers are yet again, season after season, the kings of one-score games. The only problem this year is they're on the losing end of far too many, losing to Green Bay of all teams, 23 points to 20. The Titans, well, showed late, but it feels like a while since we've seen a Tennessee team that was in a game as they lost 34-14 to a Jacksonville Jaguars team who definitely needed a rebound after a bad defeat the week before. The Raiders held the Dolphins for a while, but not long enough as Miami moved to 7-3 and too with a 20 points to 13 victory over Las Vegas. And then another game we've already referenced on this pod already, DeVito leading New York to a massive 31 point to 19 victory over the Washington Commanders that seems them sees them slipping from being maybe contenders to all of a sudden four and seven and only a game ahead of New York. The Buccaneers were good, but no match for San Fran as the 49ers continue the good form they showed last week, winning 27-14 with a statistically perfect rating for Brock Purdy. Then we get into some of the games that are a little more straightforward. The Bills, who needed a win, well, were fortunate to be playing the New York Jets 32-6 is enough to see Zach Wilson benched for the next game. And the Rams were a team that I picked to win last week and how stupid I felt when the Seahawks were racking up the points, only for LA to be one of the comeback kings of Week 11, winning 17 points to 16. The Vikings-Broncos was not only a narrow game, but also bizarre on Sunday night football. Denver relying on field goals until a fourth quarter drive to win the game with a brilliant throw from Wilson to Cortland Sutton to edge them past the feel-good Vikings 21 points to 20. And then in the battle of the big hitters, the Eagles beat the Chiefs 21 points to 17 with the Chiefs scoring no second half points for the second time in the last three games. So there was your week 11 roundup. There is plenty to get into. But before we do, gentlemen, we pause and take a moment to enjoy the toughest question in all of podcasting. The quiz feature you've all grown to love so much so this week for the first time ever. It has its own jingle. Let's roll it for no Google all noodle.
So your quiz question this week relates to scoring offences and defences. In history, only three teams have ever been the best scoring offence and defence in the same season for three seasons in a row. That would be the Cleveland Browns, 1953 to 55. The Green Bay Packers did it in 60 to 62, and then again, 62, 64. And the Dolphins, not only the last team to have a perfect season, but the last team to have the best scoring offense and defense between 72 and 74 until now. Because in this current NFL, we have a team that have been the top scoring offense and defense in each of the last three seasons. My no Google all noodle question is, which of the NFL teams is it? So which NFL team in the last three seasons has had both the top scoring offense and top scoring defense? You know we'll be back for the answers later in the show, so you can all play along in Listerland. Um, and I've even got a jingle for the answer as well. So be excited. Brace yourselves for that. Anyway, there's your quiz question out there. Something to keep you thinking. Aldrin, to you, please. And a game of the week in your mind for week 11. The Eagles-Chiefs game, I think, oh, is the one not? place for me to start. Purely but another of those two-minute drill heart in your mouth moments I, I can't the more i watch that valdez scantling drop the more i cannot fathom it because you know you mentioned they haven't scored um a single point in what in the last half in two out of three games yet that is not Mahomes' fault <laughs> that was to get them to kind of midfield and then to drop back so he's throwing from his own 40 to find the end zone, to find Valdez Scantling open and free, and then for it to just go through his hands must be so gutting because, you know, what else can he do? You know, he, he finds the play, they dial it up, flings it to the end zone, and then drops is the problem that you face. And and to be honest, it wasn't the only drop in that game where Chiefs receivers kind of let him down, but still it was the killer because with 1.30 on the clock, they could, they could have gone, what, three points up? They would have gone up. They were four behind, weren't they? So they would have gone three up and then at least forced the Eagles to, you know, try and make a field goal or something. But instead... They go to fourth down, they make an attempt and it gets kind of batted away and, and that becomes nothing. But that those kind of moments aside, it was such a good game, I thought. You know, I thought Kansas run game looked pretty good. You know, Pacheco was agree. fierce and they even got Edward Solaire kind of involved in bits and spurts, yeah. um, which we haven't really seen much of the last couple of years. You know, Pacheco, you've seen in odd games, but obviously they, they're always going to lean on the pass. Um, and then the Eagles were just exactly the Eagles you've seen and you expect this year. You know, good, not great offensively, but defense kind of bend, not break. Um, yeah. They look a really good team. Just overall, you know, this is the sort of play that you expect from a team that's kind of just chugging towards the Super Bowl. 
and it yeah. does kind of feel like that. It, it feels like they're just plodding along. They're, they're one of these teams, and I think I've mentioned it before, but like this year, they almost go under the radar a little bit. They don't quite have the pomp and fanfare of, you know, maybe the Dolphins have had because that yeah. offense is so explosive and you see Tyreek Hill go for 50, 60, 70 yards. They've not really had that. They're just efficient and pretty clinical. But I think that plays in their favor, you know, as much as they're what, nine and one now, I think, yeah. nine and one. Better than anybody else, but they don't seem to have that same fanfare that some of those teams have around the the kind of crazy excitement factor, but they're just good on every kind of phase of the ball. So, yeah, they're, they're a team that has that kind of air of inevitability around them at the minute, I kind of feel like. Yeah. Um, for the Chiefs, I mean, there's no great shame losing to the Eagles, having, you know, almost taken uh, a lead with a minute left on the clock or something like that. They could have easily taken that and it could have been a very different story if that catch is made. So nothing, I think, too drastic. They need to clean up mistakes, a lot of mistakes, because when you watch that game, the amount of times like Chris Jones gets to Jalen Hurts, you know, that defense looks maybe stronger than it has in the past few years. You know, sometimes they build towards yeah, the playoffs, agreed. whereas yeah, actually I think defense has kind of come out this year looking strong. Yeah. But they do have to clean up those offensive mistakes because it's drops that are costing them. They can't always go to Kelsey, even though he's still as good as ever. And players like Valdez Gantling are, you know, wily enough and experienced enough that they should be reeling in those catches when they make those routes. Um, but a really good game, I thought. Really good. See, my thing is a little bit like, do you know what, a little bit like the 49ers a few weeks ago. Do you remember when they lost to the Browns and we said, look, there's no need for them to panic. They had injuries mm-hmm. and it came down to yeah. a field goal. All they missed was a field goal. It's kind of the same with the Chiefs that, you know, look, there's no need to panic that they didn't score points in the second quarter because it's one guy, one drop. You know, it's an individual error that can happen. Yeah. Unless they believe it, you know, unless it does derail them the way it did the 49ers. Because, you know, if we're sitting here talking about these things, you wonder what they're talking about. You wonder what's going on in their locker room. And, and you know, they, they need, I think, to get back on track, certainly. Um but I don't know. It's it's a little bit difficult when you're not playing particularly well and winning. You might go a bit under the radar, say just like you were saying with the Eagles. But nobody's saying there's a problem. All of a sudden, when you're playing the way the the Chiefs are, and you do lose a game, and you do have a second half like that, all of a sudden there is a microscope. And I think it'll be down to Andy Reid to change enough, but not too much you know, to make the small adjustments, but not lose that kind of overall kind of style of play and and kind of momentum they have. I mean, I don't think there's a problem in Kansas City, but I think it's right that people ask questions. I think it was, you know, enough of a drop off in production in the second half for people to maybe be a little bit concerned, including players, coaches themselves. I I think you've hit on kind of the, the two major points with regards to both of these teams. I think the Kansas City offense is the biggest problem that it's got. And it has been for consistency has been the issue for them all season. It's, it's not just like Mark Marcus Valdez scantling in the in the past week. It was, uh, it was Kadarius Tony 
but um, a few a few weeks uh, the first game of the season and a few weeks after having reliable people who can catch the ball is a big thing for the Chiefs outside of Travis Kelsey. Um, I can't remember if I've made this point on the podcast before, but I think I've definitely made it to you, Rob, when we've been watching the games. The Chiefs are one of those teams that currently, to me, don't have what you would class as a traditional wide receiver one. They have a lot of people who are good for a certain role. They are looking to try and replace that Tyreek Hill skill set across multiple people which is a big problem in 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 multiple ways one you're trying to use a lot of people to replace one person which is never a good thing i don't think but two you can't replicate tyreek hill if if you could every team would be doing it you know it's a copycat league you you do what the other teams do successfully um it's reminding me an awful lot of those kind of patriots era uh the brady patriots era of like you've got Brady to Gronk and then after that you've got an assortment of other people like yeah. Julian Edelman was fantastic in the role that the, in the roles that they played for him that um the catch in the comeback win against the Falcons, Falcons in that yeah. Super Bowl is like you could you could have said a piece of paper underneath that thing and he managed to keep it from touching the ground but he wasn't a wide receiver one he wasn't going to make big plays. He wasn't making consistent catches. He was the guy who knew where to be when you needed to be him. The Chiefs don't have anyone like that, again, outside of Taylor Swift's favourite footballer. And that's going to be an absolutely massive problem for them going forward because the offence isn't firing and there is only so much a defence can do before it starts to wear out. From an Eagles point of view, yeah, they feel like an incredibly under the radar sensation this season, which is really weird for, like you said, a nine and one team that are the best in the league. It, is it because they're not doing it flashy? They're not doing it fancy. It's very workmanlike in how they're doing everything. There's more conversation about the hashtag tush push um, than there is, I think, about anything else that the um, that the Eagles are doing. But then the tush push got what Jalen Hurts two touchdowns on Monday night. Still and, short yardage playing football. Yeah, it's it's incredible to be looking at the Eagles as a team that you have to say is the cert at the moment for the NFC Championship, at very least the NFC Championship game, and not have a level of hype like we had for them before. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, your, your point on wide receivers in Kansas City. So, I mean, you can't really... I, I mean, Pacheco as a running back can certainly catch the ball. But you're ultimately looking beyond Kelsey at Kadarius Tony, Rice, McCole Hardman, Sky Moore. And I mean, the weird thing about them is I, I get your point on, say, you know, the comparison to the Patriots and the comparison to Edelman and Amandola, maybe, you know, those kind of pairings that Brady had. But the weird thing is that whereas I saw Edelman and Amandola as playmakers, you list those wide receivers I've just listed listed for Kansas City and they've all got a drop in them you know McCall Harmon they can make great plays but I'm with you I mean I'm not sure they necessarily have what you need at wide receiver and I think even just adding one quality wide receiver absolutely elevates what I could see the Chiefs being capable of that said you've just said the Eagles are the favorites in the NFC I probably still just about have the Chiefs favorites in the AFC I mean who who's ahead of them I wouldn't put Buffalo ahead of them 
you know, maybe Baltimore, but but I mean, I, I think there's a, a lot of question marks over a lot of the big hitters, actually, AFC side. But, um, but Aldrin, I like your pick. I think when you've got best on best, conference versus conference, that is always a good shout to be game of the week, and it didn't disappoint the drama stakes either. So, JB, week 11, where are you taking us to for your star turn? Um, Lions are a good football team, boys. Like... The, the like legitimately it's not a case of the lions are the best team out of a bad collection in the nfc north the lions are just a good team and uh, we kind of talked about this kind of at the beginning a bit and you can tell by the fact that good teams come back and find a way to win the uh the bears look good like the bears will lead in that game at times but the the tenacity of the Lions, especially overcoming, wasn't it? A couple of interceptions by uncharacteristic interceptions and bad plays by Jared Goff and still came back to win in the end of it. And it's those kind of plays that I think you have to be looking at the Lion, the Lions as absolutely a playoff team almost nailed on. But seriously, consideration for are the Lions finally going to win a playoff game? Is it finally going to happen? It's the most likely it's been, at least in my of what 10 11 years watching the nfl so you you have to give dan campbell props you have to put him in the consideration for coach of the year Agreed. for the job that he has done since he was hired. like we t- we've talked about this before what felt like a completely off the wall hiring absolutely looks like it's panning off and panning out and paying off that's the sentence right now because they're they're, they're flying like they've got their traditional Thanksgiving game coming up and you've got to think that uh, what Ford field is going to be absolutely jumping mm. because people are going to watch a good team. Yeah. I'll agree on all of it. I think the, the big thing as much as you're right that, you know, Jared Goff overcame adversity and, and picks. I actually think the biggest thing was that defense because to start with, they were in this horrible position where they were terrified of Justin Fields running the ball and didn't seem to have an answer, and then seemed to overcommit to Justin Fields running the ball and left a lot of spaces. And the thing about their comeback is there were as many adjustments as there were improvements. You know, it was coaches and players being able to find a way not only to overcome adversity, but actually to play better in situational football. And, you know, Fields had done a very good job against them in previous meetings, and you could see that there was certainly a little bit of nervousness around how they were going to stop him running. And look, any team where you've got to spy the quarterback, and then even when you do put a spy on them, is the kind of guy who can turn on the burners and, and leave that guy for dead. I mean, of course they're going to cause mismatches, but I like the way the Lions improved as much as, you know, the Lions' spirit. Like you say, good teams find a way to win. That's why we've got a few question marks over the Chiefs. That's why we feel good about the Lions only just scraping past a pretty ordinary Bears team, right? Yeah. I mean, the only extra comment from me is two or three years ago, that would have been a comfortable win for the Brown, uh, for the for the Bears. You know, the, the Lions would have gone down. That would have been the end of the game. And their fighting spirit and their no-quit attitude as a result of, you know, Dan Campbell and the way he leads that team and you know ultimately Jared Goff as well is just a complete turnaround for that franchise and 
they they just don't know when they're beaten and they've got good players now. You know, the um, Williams at receiver along with Amon Ra, St. Brown and others, they're, you know, they're more than capable and they put them they can put themselves in positions to win. So um yeah, I just think that spirit and that that no quit attitude is really something to behold because two or three years ago that Lions team would have gone under and that's not who they are now. Yeah, agreed. Another good shout for game of the week. And I'm going to round out our game of the week um, picks with, I don't know, a something and nothing game. And I wonder if this is a team that's under the radar. So I've been pretty down this season at times on the Baltimore Ravens. Um, A few reasons. One of them is I feel that when they have got into leading positions, they have not always found ways to kill games off and they have not looked as good a team in the second half as they have in the first half of a number of games, even if they have just managed to squeak over the line from time to time. But all of a sudden there is no denying that at eight and three and with the kind of offense they have and the kind of discipline and and the ability to turn over the ball, actually, most importantly on D now, um, are the Ravens right up there and maybe even the favourites in the AFC? I mean, one of the things coming back to the, you know, the microcosm of my point with this game with the Bengals, I think with Joe Burrow being out for the rest of the season now, it probably removes Cincinnati from the conversation. And you start to look and think, well, you've got the Bills who are a bit up and down, the Jags who are not up and down, but were certainly made to look very, very ordinary by the 49ers. I mean, I think they they bounce back well this, this week, but it'll be interesting to see how they go over the next couple. And then, I don't know, I mean, for me, are the Ravens the... I don't know, it's odd because I, I'm almost hesitant saying that Baltimore are the best team in the AFC, but then the more I think, who is better... I mean, a team might have looked good for a quarter or two, but even the Dolphins at the weekend, you know, yes, they won against Las Vegas, but was it enough to show us that they can really be a contender? They still haven't really beaten a good team, in my eyes, to put them in the mix. So putting up 34 points against the Bengals, I think, is a big deal. Winning the way they did, the fact Lamar Jackson is throw first and has great receiver talent to throw to, the fact that Flowers and Odell Beckham Jr. and others are really starting to look like a powerful punch on offense. The only thing I think is a bit of a worry, we talked about Kelsey um, being big for Kansas City. I think that Andrews was big for Baltimore. So not having him at tight end for the rest of the year probably puts a little bit of a question mark against what I think they're capable of. But yeah, I pick out that game because I, you know, I'm going to do it. I think the Baltimore Ravens are the favorites in the AFC now and with what they've shown could cause any team problems if they find their way all the way to a Super Bowl. I'm going to let JB talk about this. You know, he's a big fan of the Ravens. Huge fan. Go on, JB. I think you're right. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because you stop and think who's better and as flawed as the Ravens are, I mean, you could pick holes in every, everybody else. I mean, we've just picked the holes in the Chiefs. They're small holes, but we found some. They've got to be, haven't they? I, I disagree with your, with your assessment of the Ravens' air attack. Um, because, again, what we have seen in multiple games this season is the Ravens start really, really well, really, really hot, and then fade away in the, in the second half. 
And a lot of that is down to the air game. And a lot of that, in my opinion, comes down to the fact that I think Lamar Jackson is much more comfortable following a game plan. When, you know, the coaches talk about this all the time. They will script the first X number of plays. And that's when the Ravens really, really thrive. But when they seem to fall away is when they have to make adjustments at halftime based on what the defense is. And I think that's where Lamar Jackson is starting to struggle. You can make an argument for the fact that, okay, Lamar Jackson is very one note in that he's going to get the ball and he's going to look to run all the time because nine times out of 10, that is what he's looking to do. He's improving on that, but it is still very much a, he is a run, they are a run first team. He is a run first quarterback. However, he is not one note and it's not a one dimensional thing because if it was, it wouldn't be as successful for the Ravens as it has been for Lamar Jackson's time as their starting quarterback. There are only so many times you can point to someone not being a proper quarterback. Oh, he's just a, he's a running back who throws the ball or that kind of stuff is all, is all narratively false is factually false, statistically false because the Ravens wouldn't have this amount of success. If that was true, ultimately he is a unique quarterback, the likes of which we haven't seen before. We've seen Michael Vick. We've seen Cam Newton, Robert Griffin, the third, we've seen like Russell Wilson to a degree. We haven't seen someone like Lamar Jackson with this longevity as well. Someone who runs as frequently as he does, but still seems to survive and keep going and keep going is incredibly versatile, incredibly new. And I think we've moved away from when a defense is going to work him out, when a defensive coordinator is going to work out how to solve him to, I think we just have to accept that this is life when you go up against the Ravens now. There you go. That is the most what unbiased, yeah. analytical Balanced. thing I think yeah. I have ever put into I'll this. You, I will give you that. Um, only thing I would say on it is this year, I think part of the problem with the Ravens is that they're not running Lamar enough because I don't necessarily think he's run first this year. I think they're holding him back a bit um, and he's looking to pass more and that's part of the problem because then he doesn't feel as free, and I think that's by design because I think what they want is they want Lamar in the playoffs, not Lamar being amazing in November. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be my only thing because I do feel like this year it's felt like he has been much more pass-heavy than go and do your own thing, and I think that's where he struggles is doing all of the passing and not being allowed to be quite as open and free as maybe a fields or somebody like that um but i don't think it's a problem i think honestly i think they're so good this year i think it was good to see obj get really involved at the weekend and i think you know he talked in his presser about he actually finally feels 100 percent healthy and it kind of showed you know him zay flowers i think that run game's so good not just lamar but even like Keita Mitchell, you know, when he yep. gets the ball, he's electric. And then you've got Gus Edwards to just barrel in touchdowns. Um, power back, yeah. And then, ugh, I mean, on defense, Patrick Queen and other, just so good. All over the field, they're just so dominant. So, um, yeah, I think it's difficult to say that anybody's better in, in that division. So let me give you the stats that kind of speak to both of your points. So, so far in 2023... 
Um, Lamar Jackson has thrown for 2,441 yards, right? So he's on pace for just under 5,000 yards. His highest ever yards in a passing season was in 2019 when he threw 3,127. So, I mean, he's likely to, you know, add 30, 40% more in terms of passing production this year if he keeps on at this track. Now, his yards rushed is down. But just to give you an idea, he's currently on 535. Um, and again, you'd have to go back to 2019 for when he ran more. 12,019, 1,000 in 2020, 2021, 700 and so on. So you have seen a bit of a decline in terms of overall production, although injuries have played a part in that, haven't, haven't they? At certain points later in the season, he wasn't healthy enough to run. But yeah, I mean, there's still a reasonable amount of balance. I mean, 535 still puts him right at the top of yards achieved rushing by a quarterback. But yeah, those 3,000 pass yards are not many interceptions either. You know, it's it's a weird one because for as good as they've been in their eight and three, I come back to something you just said, Aldra. Maybe we'll get to the playoffs and they'll change it back again and they'll completely let him loose, knowing that, look, we've made it now. You know, now we're in, you know, a, a, a kind of playoff situation with a healthy, healthy Lamar Jackson. Let's absolutely go crazy. But, you know, to be... I don't know, is it weird to say the underwhelming teams are currently looking the most complete teams? Because the Baltimore Ravens, like the Eagles, haven't splashed, like, say, the 49ers and the Dolphins. But here they are, you know, atop of the standings. So, yeah, I'm very proud of you, JB. I thought that was very balanced. Um, just just a real step forward. Uh, I feel like there should be a sticker or a certificate we hand out at this point. That's um, no, all right. We'll get him a jersey. I know he's keen we'll, for a Lamar we'll jersey, jersey. So Christmas is he coming needs, up. It's it's a white Ray Lewis one he wants, isn't it? I'm sure it's. I'm sure I've heard him. Yeah, about. I think it comes with any, matching any, gloves. Yeah, yeah. I, so, I, think, uh, yeah. I think that would be an absolutely killer outfit. Nice, nice. So there's our roundup of um, of all things week eleven, which means we just have the. Um, rather wonderful AOB section of the pod to come back to. Um, two bits of AOB, notably. Uh, we're going to get to our Pick'em selections, which, remember, everybody, you can follow and play along with um, if you want to follow us on our various social channels. But before we even get there, it's the answer to the toughest quiz question in all of podcasting. We're back to no Google, all noodle. So, for this week's quiz question, I said to you that there have only been three other teams in NFL history who have been able to have a run of three seasons where they were both the leading scorers offensively and defensively in the league. So, we talked about the most recent of those was the 70s Dolphins. I wanted to know which current NFL team is currently on a three-season streak of their own. So in the last three seasons, they've led offensive and defensive scoring. Give us that team, please. Aldrin. Oh, I don't know. The team I'm going to go for is the Dallas Cowboys. That's my answer. The Dallas Cowboys. Mm. The... I'm, I'm in no way confident in it. But so you're... Go in no way confident, but have gone for the Dallas Cowboys, a team much maligned by Aldrin on this podcast, I should mention, but he's got them being the leading scoring offense and defense in the last three years. JB, your guess, please. 
So I, I was preparing a secondary answer because I expected Aldrin to go with what my first answer was because that's how this oh. usually works. Oh. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my first answer: the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. Now I'm gonna stay with you, JB, because through round one, neither of you are correct. Okay. Yeah. So your backup I... answer, JB. Okay. The Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills. Aldrin. Mine is, you can't see it because it's written on a very scribbly piece of paper, but I wrote Cowboys or Niners. Cowboys my or two Niners. Ones. Well, from two rounds, we do have a winner. The team who are currently on a three-season streak, being the leading scorers both offensively and defensively, are the Buffalo Bills. And well painfully for Buffalo Bills fans, the stats I just gave you about leading offense and defense, they're the only team who have that stat to have not won a championship. But then the Buffalo Bills pretty much own every stat where it's best team to have never won a championship, as many Buffalo fans will be painfully aware of. But nice work, uh, JB. A second round win for you in No Google All Noodle. Um, and I'm handing over to you for the second piece of AOB. Tell everybody how we did in our pickums, please. So obviously we need to address some business from last week because obviously we had a megapod. With and as a result pods, of that yeah. megapod, we neglected to cover the club dub totalizer for last week either. Yeah. However, it doesn't matter because the same victor last week and this week, this week scores, because obviously we'll deal with recency bias. Nice. There were only three scores to choose from three of us went nine and five and one of us went 10 and four and the three of us that went nine and five were the pod father himself the host with the most rob rose um international uh, club dub international representative pb and me nickname pending uh, which meant that aldrin cleaned up with a 10 and four this week and an 11 and three uh, last week wow in a week full of shocks, to be at eleven and three and ten and four, hats off, Aldrin. Hats off. So you know what? And for Valdez Gandhi dropping that pass, it would have been two elevens that I picked, but nonetheless, wow. Never mind. wow. So I've been miles off, and I still only have what one win for the whole season in so, week eleven. Rob, Ron, what does so, it do to the league table? Right, standings currently: PB five wins, JB four wins, Aldrin. Three wins. Rob Rose, two wins. It's still all to play for, but I can happily, for club dub historians out there, that for the first time since the 2021 season, we have all managed to make it to two wins. Good job, everyone. Nice. It's Great normally, success. Normally yeah. me struggling away. So nice, we feel like nice the Jets or the Chargers, don't we? It's like... yeah, <laughs> perennial basement dweller over here. I so can't yeah. believe we, we nearly made it to the, through this entire podcast without mentioning Brandon Staley's post-game interview when someone asked him about the defence. Like, that's that's a guy who's getting, like, he's getting sacked, like, at some point. Like, he's not, <laughs> make, he's point. not making it until the end of the season. Really? You have him going before the end? Given the way that he snapped really aggressively at a reporter for asking a genuine question, yes, I have a feeling the next opportunity the Chargers organisation get, they're going to bin him off. 
But maybe maybe I'm just in a, in a mood for firings, given that the Steelers finally decided to move on from Matt Canada today. Blame Canada. Yeah. I mean, I will blame Canada. It was all his fault. Well, I mean, I'm. Um... Yeah, it's definitely not that quarterback that just throws to nobody and can't orchestrate. Yeah. I mean, dude, dude's yeah. got dude's gotten through it with a rib injury. Let's 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 be fair to him. But also, yeah, I mean, they still was, got eyes. This was a point that I, this was a point <laughs> someone made on Twitter that I absolutely agree with. We wrote off Josh Allen. People wrote off Jalen Hurts. People said C.J. Stroud wasn't smart enough to lead an NFL offense. I'll give like uh, I'll I'll give Kenny Pickett an, a, a, another no. season. I'll give him a chance. I'm sorry, but no. At least all of those flashed intrigue and talent. I've yet to see anything from Kenny Pickett. Sorry, JP. The hometown hero sucks. The hometown. Well, yeah, he's got that in his favour, hasn't he? The hometown hero. But yeah I, yeah, I mean, I'm more than happy with another year of Kenny Pickett. That means there are 31 teams who might win a Super Bowl. So yeah, I'm I'm happy as a Cardinals fan to just knock them off one by one, like really bad NFL guess who. So yeah, next season the Steelers aren't going to win a Super Bowl, and neither are the New York Giants. There you go, Cardinals fans were in the running. Um, gentlemen, it was stellar. It was guess what? Gold standard podcasting. Why would it be anything else? Thank you for your company, and I'll get back together with you all. Wait for this, everyone in Listenland. This is a bombshell. Tomorrow, as we need to be ahead of the curve for Thanksgiving with our pick and oh, show. Oh, sheesh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, 24 sure. hours time, gents. Let's get back together and do it all again. Cannot wait. I'll get the turkey on. Let's go. Let's leave a small pause. Do you all know what games you're talking about? Not a fucking clue. Oh, I'll make some a cup. He said a swear word. What was I doing here? There we go. So the games, Lions, Packers, Cowboys, Commanders, Seahawks, 49ers. Um, Jets, Dolphins, Colts, Bucks, Giants, Patriots. Crikey, what are you guys going for? Um, Niners Hawks, I'll do. Niners Hawks, nice. Eagles Bills looks a good one. Yeah, Eagles Bills does look a good one, but if you want that, I'll leave you at that because I talked about the Eagles last week. I am circling around the Broncos and the Browns. Okay, actually, you're right. We've talked about the Eagles a lot, so I'm going to avoid the Eagles as well. Uh, then again, I was going to go Seahawks 49ers, then we talked about them a lot last week, didn't we? Old I can go a different game if you want. No, it's all right. I might. I'll tell you what, I'm going to do Giants Patriots. Yeah, that was my other one. Okay, cool. Cool. Everybody ready? Yep. Mm-hmm. Small period of silence so I can see visually where we're going to start a new episode. Welcome back, gentlemen. Hello. Do you, do you like our new pre show voiceover? Yeah. Very, yeah, love very it. Very smart. Um, in the words of uh, Dickie Attenborough in Jurassic Park, no spared expense. Yeah, like a like a bit of that. So welcome, everybody. We've only been apart for 24 hours, and we get to cuddle up again, safe in the warm bosom of NFL football, to talk about one of the biggest weeks of the year. No, it isn't because of the Super Bowl. It's because of a national American holiday. It's Thanksgiving week, gentlemen. 
And has there been a more intriguing one in living memory? No, Alan, there hasn't. Oh. I, I thought I'd kind of built that up quite well. J, JB's response seems to suggest I went I went too big too soon. But mm-hmm. um you, you didn't go you didn't go too big too soon. You just went a little partridge. Um you, you're right though. This this is I think an excellent an excellent week. It's one of the best weeks of the season consistently with bonus Friday night football this week. Who could ask for any more um, other than the NFL calling it something sensible? But I mean, there is a part of me that loves it when we get Thursday night football Friday edition. Was that what they called it? Uh, I can't think the other one. There was another one for Saturday football, wasn't it? But anyway, sorry, it was, I'm getting it was Thursday night football Saturday edition. Is that the one? There you go. Yeah. I'm merging the two, but I remember it being utterly cataclysmically bad. But um, but yeah, as only the NFL can get away with. So we've got some great games. We've got some big hitters squaring off against each other. But this week, as we've talked about these big hitters quite a lot, we're going to circle around some of the more, what was the word you just used, Joe? Uh, more intriguing games that maybe don't involve the league's high flyers in every single case. But as we roll around a very special, inclusive version of Club Dub, Aldrin, I'm going to come to you first. Give us the matchup that stands out to you this week, and let's get picking some teams and putting them beyond the velvet rope. Well, I'm going a divisional, heady fight, and it's the Niners against the Seahawks this week. Um, just a really interesting game because you've got these two teams that are, I don't know, riding these weird waves at the minute. A little bit up and down, a um, little bit inconsistent. And um, two teams that on their day are really strong, um, but have had maybe not all of their days their way recently. Um, But if I look at the Niners, you know, we've spoken about them a few times over the, you know, a couple of weeks ago in terms of the, the tumultuous nature of some of the games and, you know, is Brock Purdy up to it? He's finally faced some challenges and he's come up short. Yeah. Week 11, you know, they face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are, you know, no slouch of a team. They've got, you know, decent quarterback, great defense, good players all over. And yet Brock Purdy's best statistical game as a quarterback in the NFL, you know, throws for, what, 330 yards, um, pretty much almost flawless, 21 of 25 passing attempts, three touchdowns, um, just... Yeah, almost flawless. And I think it was a real um a, a real maybe reimagining of what people have been saying about him because he got a lot of stick and you know, he got a lot of questions and yeah, he can bounce back. And I think we, we touched on it a little bit last week, but it's frightening what that 49ers team can do with a full slate of healthy players. You know, Ayuk, Samuel, Kittle, McCaffrey. Offensively, they are so good. And we, we kind of saw that real mix in, in the Week 11 matchup because Ayuk's long touchdown um, down the sideline. You know, I know the the defender got injured on the play, didn't he? But that made... It was 
no effect to Ayuk getting the touchdown. You know, the defender reaches for the ball and it goes over his head and into Ayuk's hands. So that guy was away, regardless of whether the defender comes down with an injury or not. Samuel and the way they mixed him in with different screens and run plays and, you know, got him involved in the backfield. McCaffrey is just... I'm running out of superlatives to describe the guy because every week you think, oh, he can't keep doing it. He can't keep trucking people and ducking people and diving away from people. Yeah, every week he does. And then the defense. I mean, what can you say about that defense other than adding Chase Young is one of the most frightening things that anybody could have done to add to that team. You know, Lynch has got to get an awful lot of credit because that is an absolute steal for what a third round pick yeah plumping him on the opposite side to nick bosa is unfair for other quarterbacks frankly for everybody that they face because time and again the two of them are like this this pincer move they're like crocodile jaws you know the pressure and the power that they can put on people is immense um other side, Seahawks have been this weird team that gone under the radar sometimes, don't look like they're at it, and then they do, and then they don't again, and then they do. Um, they're a weird they're a weird team. Uh I, I, I kind of mentioned it a few weeks ago, but I kind of feel like Geno Smith is kind of at that point where he's where you figured out who he is again. Do you know, like last year, he got a lot of hype and a lot of praise. And I think he did really well. Don't get me wrong, but I think he's not a top tier quarterback. I don't think he's ever going to become that. And I think that's kind of been laid bare a little bit more this year. Um, that said, you know, he was pretty good on on the weekend. You know, he was doing well until he got that, that in that like elbow injury late in the third quarter. Um, DK Metcalf is still an incredible wide receiver still in my opinion with limitations um but that I, I don't know i don't see where they can mix things up really you know they've got an all right but not great run game and um they had some more injuries in that department at the weekend you know they they they've not really i can't remember a season since they had um, Lynch, where they've had a consistent number one running back that stayed healthy for the year. Yeah. You know, they've had what Kenneth Walker, you know, looked amazing last year, got injured, looks really good this year again, gets injured. And then behind him, they don't really have much depth. You're looking at players like DJ Dallas and, you know, like random off the street kind of guys. Um, so they've never really seemed to get that solved. And then defense is another weird one where they've got this kind of ageless wonder Bobby Wagner and then some really good young defensive unit players. And they've, they've got some real talent there. But again, just not sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. And I think that's the real story for the Seahawks is just that inconsistency. And it's across the board. Mm. You know, it's not just one player, one unit. It's kind of consistent. And that was the story of the weekend, really, you know, losing such a tight game um, against the divisional rival, you know, in the Rams is not great. Um, not being able to close out that game when, I don't know, the, the Rams didn't look all that special, you know, all that yeah. much at it. You know, Stafford finishing 
less than 200 yards passing, 82 yards on the ground. It's like that's a team you should be going out and beating if you're the Seahawks of, you know, what you were last year or where you think or, or you expect to get to. So they're, they're just a frustrating team, I guess, to watch because you don't really know what version is going to turn up. But yeah, it's a real interesting matchup. And I must say that any game the 49ers involved in at the minute is exciting because they've got such talent on both units. So, yeah. The Seahawks are a weird one because they didn't do at the weekend what they've done pretty much all season, which was find a way to win yeah, close they games against lesser games, opponents. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they lost quite badly to the Rams early on in the season, the healthy Rams, to be fair. And, you know, for as much as they had players coming back, I, I still don't think Matthew Stafford looks entirely right. Pukunakua flashed a little bit. There was, you know, there were a few hits taken by, by a, I, I, I don't know, I, I guess the weird thing about the Seahawks is you're right that Geno Smith is not having statistically the kind of year he had last season, but they still play physical. You know, Devin Witherspoon on defense is a great physical player um, on the defense in the secondary. Bobby Wagner, like you said, an ageless wonder. Actually, at linebacker and on the lines, they're still big, physical, and and play yeah. hard. But they're, they're just, I don't know, you, you feel like DK Metcalf has got to do something, and he himself is not the most consistent of performers, let alone you know, the Seahawks team more generally. But for as much as if the Seahawks win this game, they're right back at the top of the division with the 49ers and it's game on. I think this game for me really comes down to which version of the 49ers do we get? And the new 49ers with Chase Young, are they to be trusted? Because ultimately, when we talk about teams like the Eagles, as we did in in yesterday's pod, and we say, oh, you know, they're, they're leading the conference without really having looked particularly flashy. Well, the 49ers have looked flashy. The 49ers have actually looked occasionally brilliant. It's just, is that what we should start to expect? Or is it all right that we've still got memories in the back of our mind of a, of a three-game losing streak? Like you said, Brock Purdy, perfect quarterback rating last season. He couldn't have given a better response to the doubters. Um, but yeah, I think this is more a story around which 49ers team turns up because I think the Seahawks ultimately will win and lose close games. And at the end of the season, all their record will be is a reflection of how many times they managed to just get over the line. So, yeah, the 49ers are the story for me, which is probably a bit harsh, considering if the Seahawks win, they can what, go back to the top of the division again. I think for the Seahawks, it all depends on who's starting a quarterback for them. If it's Geno Smith, the Seahawks have got two hopes, and that's slim and none. And if the Seahawks are starting Drew Locke, then uh, unfortunately Slim just left to house. That's a great line. Because like if I if I was a Seahawks fan watching Drew Locke come in having come into the game last last week, I would not be looking forward to Drew Locke to electric boogaloo this week because I <laughs> Was there a worse quarterback performance than that? And I, it's being harsh to say it is a backup quarterback. Yes, yes, there was but... starting quarterback for the New York Jets, Zach Wilson. There's there's worse performances from starting. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's a very good point. Okay, um, the forty the forty nine ers yeah look like they're absolutely back on track after a great performance against the Jags last week. Like Aldrin's talked about it before, like earlier he's talked about it before in weeks in, like last week. 
getting all of their players back and healthy seems to have been the the magic remedy for the woes of the 49ers. And isn't that strange? Getting all of your good players back makes you a good team. Um, yes, it maybe is a little bit of like a which 49ers team is it that turns up. But I, th- I think any version of the 49ers that turns up is going gonna, is gonna to be able to beat the Seahawks currently because it's, I feel like it's starting to slip away for them. Sorry uh, for stealing your line there, JB. It was just no, no. You, it was beautifully fine. constructed. I just enjoyed that far too much. Um, Aldrin, we're back with you. We've talked about two teams. One who we said is pretty limited um, and is going to struggle this year. One who we've said is possibly the NFL's best and seems to have found their feet again. I wonder who could be finding their way into Club Dub. Put us all out of our misery, please. You know, it's it's my favourite, you know, underdog team that I talked about last year. And it is, of course, San Francisco 49ers. I think we need to count up how many times the 49ers have ended up in club dub this year. They must be on pretty close to a 100% record, mustn't they? I think we have not bet against them very often, and um, you'd be a fool to this weekend as well. I think you're absolutely right. Seattle Seahawks are, you know, in the image of their coach, playing hard and working hard, but the 49ers could yet be something special this season for me. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to go along with that and say that was the right choice. But that's only one of three teams finding their way beyond the metaphorical velvet rope into Club Dub. JB, it means I'm handing over to you to talk us through your game of the week and tell us who deserves to be joining them. So again, what does JB like? He doesn't necessarily like the good games. JB likes the narrative games. So let's have a talk about the Cleveland Browns going to Denver to face the surging Denver Broncos? Question mark? I'll I'll go along with that. Um, We'll talk about the Browns first. Because it felt like their season was over last week when their multi-million, million, million dollar quarterback, um, one of the most exciting players on the field, uh, Deshaun Watson, went out for the season. And we didn't really, I think we didn't really spend a lot of time talking about it last week, but it felt like a big moment because obviously everything in that contract, everything about the Browns dealings in bringing Watson in structured it so that this season was the big season. This was the one they were banking everything on because everything after this comes with so much in terms of like guarantees and everything like that, that it felt a little bit like it was the push now. And that push has again failed because Watson is not going to be available to play. Browns have got a very, very good core of players um miles garrett in particular who is having an art who's putting himself directly in the argument for defensive player of the year every single week and then to have them go in against uh to go in against anybody with their rookie starting quarterback now who was you know has been pressed into service already this season looked decent but it just felt like everything was you know it was all going to come crashing down around them and then uh dorian thompson robinson dtr actually did 
serviceable in what he was asked to do. He wasn't setting the world on fire. We're not talking about like, and I can't believe this is the one we're going for, a CJ Stroud level of performance. But what we did get was a step up from your Drew Locks and your Zach Wilsons of the world. And if the Browns can keep going with that, um, with uh, Cooper and Njoku, um, with uh, Kareem Hunt kind of leading a bit of resurgence there, you've got a Browns team that will be able to find a way to win. Yes, it will be ugly. Yes, it will be what harking back to like, you know, the, those Browns days when they'd squeak it out at the very end, but they have got a team with all of the pieces needed to win a football game. If everybody plays to the level that they need to, and that's the key in all of this, because that brings us on to the Broncos playing to the level that you can play to. And obviously what the Broncos are on, was it a two or three, three game winning streak now? And is it because they've been playing teams at the right time? Is it because the Broncos were amazingly underrated and everybody wrote them off and, and how, how could we? Is it because the Sean Payton teachings and, and playbook is finally starting to click for everybody? Any of those things could be possible. Um but what you have to mark it down to is, again, another disappointing season for, for Denver fans, another disappointing season for Russell Wilson, and another disappointing season for a team that really feels like they peaked in 2015 when Peyton Manning took them to the Super Bowl again. Um, there's never a better time to play a team than when they haven't got their starting quarterback. There's never a better time when they've got a rookie quarterback starting. And as we've said, the Browns have got all of those kinds of things going. Cortland Sutton looks incredible, like maybe one of the un most underrated wide receivers in the game. I know Rob's probably going to talk about him when it, when it comes around to him, because I know. But other than that, like there's not an awful lot, I think, to get excited about with this Broncos team, but they've started to be more efficient. And I, I use efficient a lot when I talk about teams because it's the most important way to win. It doesn't matter if you can do massive splash plays. What it matters is consistently and efficiently being able to move the football. And the Broncos have seen ways to do that. So this could be the perfect opportunity for the Broncos to now catch another team who want to be in the playoff consider in the hunt and playoff consideration and catch them at their weakest, pick them off and maybe start to put yourself into that frame. Who knows? I mean, I'll just pick up with the point you said I was going to make. Um, Cortland Sutton, if you, if you ask me who are better wide receivers in the NFL than Cortland Sutton at the moment, that is a really short list. A really short list. I mean, you've literally got the superstars ahead of him for me, like the Tyreek Hills of this world and and so on and so forth. That catch on Sunday night, I mean, that was a proper big-bodied go-up-and-win-the-ball type catch. And I mean, uh, I... I mean, I'm sure the world is watching, but but Cortland Sutton is put, putting together a really good body of work this year. And their trust in him... And their belief, maybe even just Russell Wilson's belief, that if you put the ball up there, this is a guy who can make plays, has been one of the real characteristics of, of their season, certainly of their resurgence. Um, the only point I've got to make on the flip side is you talked about Miles Garrett. 
I mean, he's he's on track for more than twenty sacks this season. I mean, his his forced fumbles, his tackles. I mean, he's he's on for for record stats across the board. And not only is that massive to the best defense in football um, this season, I think it's going to be massive to him because I think, and this is probably a pretty bold claim to make, I think this season puts him in the hall. I really do. I, I think this season has moved him, in my mind, from the Hall of Very Good to the Hall of Fame because you look at those players on defence who go into the Hall of Fame and they don't have to be the best defender in the league consistently throughout their career, but they have to have that moment, that time when they were the best defender in football. I think Darrell Rivas had those moments. You know, I, I think, you know, Aaron Donald has had countless, you know, but for me, Miles Garrett has moved himself into the Hall of Fame conversation this year. And if he can put up a good performance, I mean, against a Broncos team that have not, you know, particularly found it easy all of the time to protect Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson, who doesn't always make the best decisions under pressure. I mean, look, you say the Broncos have played teams at the right time. Actually, when you lose your starting quarterback, the Broncos is just the kind of team the Browns should want to play. They're not going to put up 30, 35 points. They're not going to force you into a shootout. What they are going to do is give you an opportunity to grind a result out. Um, I think you've picked a good one, JB. Yeah, I like it. Your Garrett, your um, Miles Garrett shout is brilliant because he's not on the 49ers. You know, he's not on the Dallas Cowboys. You know, he's not on a unit that overall is utterly dominant. He's not opposite another guy that is utterly dominant in the same way that, you know, Bosa and Young are now together in the 49ers. He's the guy. And the fact is, is there's so many plays where I watch him and I'm like, oh, they've double teamed him. Oh, he's just got through. You know, it's his range of moves and stunts and the way he can get to the quarterback is what makes him elite for me. Um, I, I like the Sutton shout as well. I mean, there's very few players playing as well as he is. I think that touchdown grab was incredible. The one that got me was a third down grab. It, it, it kind of seems like nothing really in this, in the whole context of the game, but he makes a third down grab down the sideline. That was just so like he catches it like one handed over his head. Like I don't understand how he makes it. And yet he just catches it like it's nothing. Um, so I think, yeah, he's having the season of his life again in a unit that isn't blessed with talent. I mean, Jerry Judy is okay. And that's kind of where it ends on that unit. So yeah, he's the guy. Um, it's a good matchup though. So the Browns on one side, the Broncos on the other. Two teams enjoying good runs, but two teams that need to keep that going to play meaningful January football. One of these teams gets to spend a night preparing for the game in the most exclusive club in all of podcasting, JB. Tell us who it'll be and why, please. Well, there is only one true way that we could welcome this team into Club Dub. And of course, that is with the call of Broncos country. Let's ride to the back of the queue as we welcome in the Cleveland Browns through the VIP entrance. And the other thing I'll just throw in here just because I didn't get a chance to mention earlier. 
if we talk about how much we hype that Odell Beckham Jr. catch when he was a giant against the Cowboys, six foot four, 272 pound Miles Garrett jumping over the line to block that kick this season should be shown in exactly the same kind of way. He is a, the largest man in the world. How he did that, I've got no idea. Such a dominant player. Such a dominant player. And I mean, he, he I mean, uh, I think, I mean, obviously I did the whole, he'll be in the whole thing. I think he is the defensive player of the year for me this season. I think there'll be a few in the running. But I think defensively, it has just been the most dominant season from him. I mean, I, I like other defensive players. I like Max Crosby. I mean, I think he's... But but I mean, Miles Garrett is on a completely other level. So yeah, um, play that film for years to come. I think they'll show that to college footballers for years, won't they? About the way you disrupt and the way that just strength and athleticism can change um, football games. So I love it. I love it. I... Um, I mean, no way surprised you've gone Browns, but I think this is a close one. Um, and at least yours is meaningful. Um, and I mean meaningful in terms of what it could mean for the season and whether these two teams could go on. I am picking two teams, well, in my game of the week, um, you could argue in a way that there's nothing to play for at all because my game of the week is the New York Giants against the New England Patriots. Now, let me start by setting the scene. When you talk about the Patriots and the Giants, you talk about blips on the record of the great Tom Brady. You talk about amazing catches, incredibly dramatic Super Bowls. And all of these are in semi-recent, certainly living memory, right? Certainly in the modern era of the NFL. Yet somehow we have got the Patriots still led by, I was about to say arguably, but you could even say there's no argument, the greatest head coach in the history of the sport, Bill Belichick, against a team in New York that, you know, went into this season really riding the crest of a wave and with a feel-good factor they hadn't had for a good few years. How the mighty have fallen and how the wheels have come off, which leads us to this um, Week 12 game where we've got, the Patriots, arguably at the moment, one of the worst, if not the worst team in the NFL, facing the New York Giants, who till, uh, well, up until a week ago, I'd have said probably were definitely the worst team um, at the moment in the NFL. So we'll start with the Patriots first, and let's kind of break down the real question marks. Um, the biggest question mark, I think, for New England is the quarterback position. Um, Mac Jones has been under enormous pressure and scrutiny so far this year, but much of it um, of his own making. Certainly a year where it looks like he's regressed. Certainly a year where he seems to be making more mistakes. There seems to be everything getting in the way from breakdowns in protection to breakdowns in communication with receivers. There is nothing really, that seems to be working at the moment in a New England Patriots Mac Jones offense. He hasn't thrown for 300 yards since week one. He has thrown countless interceptions and has already topped his best tally, worst tally probably arguably, for interceptions in a season, and we're only at week 11. But then the weird thing is, 
for as bad as Mac Jones has been, we have seen Bailey Zappi come in in relief a couple of times. And Bailey Zappi himself has thrown countless interceptions. And for all of his pass attempts so far this season is what, 10 of 25, I think, so far in 2023. So the decisions then become slightly bigger for the New England Patriots because now it's not only an is it Mac Jones, is it Bailey Zappi conversation. There's now talk about whether they could even go further down the depth chart. So that would mean, and let me um, take you to these names, Will Greer who started um, the year with the Cowboys and, you know, looked promising in a preseason game. And Malik Cunningham, who is currently on the practice squad, but Bill Belichick refuses to count out as being this week's starter. There's something to be said for keeping cards close to your chest. But when none of those cards really offer the fan base much hope, um, you start to wonder, could this be the end for the Bill Belichick era Patriots. Now, here's the weird thing. If you're desperate for a win in New England, who better to face than the Giants themselves? Absolutely awash with issues. But then how damning would it be if New England were actually to be beaten? Which brings me to the Giants side of the football. So they lose their starting quarterback, although Danny Dimes wasn't having a great season anyway. They lose their backup quarterback and then end up with a third string guy by the name of DeVito. Then other than the fact he's a local guy and the kind of guy that you felt you might be able to root for when he came in in such an awful situation a few weeks ago, just looked all at sea, looked utterly talentless, so much so that in a narrow game, they're refusing to throw the ball against the Jets. I mean, what a turnaround last week is for DeVito beating the Washington Commanders because all of a sudden he's got the ability to maybe go back to back, not only with great performances, because if this is a great opportunity for the Patriots to get a win because of the dire state they're in, you've also got to say it's a great opportunity for the Giants. And this is a Giants team that could actually find themselves level with the commanders at the end of this weekend and certainly a long way away from the first overall pick, which is what I imagine they were shooting for as recently as two or three weeks ago. If Debel's job seems a little bit more secure, could he go from being a guy on the hot seat to being the guy that puts Bill Belichick out of work? There's my storyline and there's my narrative for this because going beyond narrative into performances, I don't know, is it right that I don't hold much hope? I mean, if you told me one of these teams gets more than 20 points this weekend, it's got to be the Giants, right? Low scoring's New England's best chance. And for as much as it isn't a visual spectacle, it's interesting contextually for the history of these two great franchises. I, uh, I, I'm going to answer your points with a question because that appears to be how I like to do things on this podcast. Is there a more disappointing season this season than the Giants? coming off um, what Brian Dayball, coach of the year last year, Danny Dimes having what seemed like a revelation of a season as above average as it was in comparison to other people's. Um, and now coming down to sort of crash back down to earth and realising that actually your above average quarterback is just an average quarterback and your talent poor team is still talent poor. Um, 
the Giants have still looked com- I was competitive, not in terms of they look like they win, but they keep trying, they keep going. This doesn't look like a team that has given up. And that performance the previous weekend against the Commanders absolutely felt like it. That was a team that realised they were onto something and then grasped it with everything that they could and just seemed to be having a great time battering the heck out of poor Sam Howell and that Washington commander's offensive line um, is going into going, uh, going to the Patriots with Tommy DeVito, what they had on their, their vision board at the start of the season. No. Does that mean they're necessarily out of it? Also no, because personally for me, the other argument to who has had the worst possible season this season goes to the New England Patriots because, wow, do they suck, especially in comparison to previous years. Um, I think everyone, when Tom Brady moved on to uh, to Tampa Bay, was like, is this going to be the end of the dynasty? Is this the time that the Patriots are going to come crashing down to earth? I think everyone was looking forward to just New England going back towards the, the average line. But wow, they hit that line and then carried on crashing through it. And Jones was the absolute worst quarterback to have picked because he's not dynamic. He's not competitive. He's not any good. He is not the type of quarterback that New England needed at the time. And they're suffering for it now. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with good things that I can say about the Patriots because one of the things that keeps that's keep popping into my mind every time I talk about it was I think it was a comment by I I want to say it was Greg Olson when he was commentating on a um a Patriots game when Fox had one of those for some reason which was you see the Patriots break off plays that for any other team would lead to like massive runs we saw that at the uh was it the weekend just gone when Jalen Warren broke off that 74 yard touchdown at the start of the the second half for the Steelers good Bad teams can still make good plays. The Patriots are a bad team whose good plays still don't seem to go anywhere for anything. What bad teams, like when they get a break, turn into like 20 yards, the the Patriots seem to turn into eight instead of four. I just think the organisation structure as they've got it is just not what it needs to be anymore. Not having... What they don't have, uh, they don't really have an offensive coordinator, they don't really have a defensive coordinator. Two different people, like Steve Belichick and is it Gerard May are involved in the defense. Who knows who is really involved in the offense? Because Bill uh, O'Brien doesn't appear to be getting it done as much as he has a title. It it just feels like everything about New England has come crashing down. And in any other situation going into the Giants would be the best possible way to fix it. Who who knows? I'm 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 looking I'm happy that you're talking about this one, Robin. You have to make that decision. I'll leave a few headlines from me because I think you both pretty succinctly described it. Both teams are not very good. Um the Patriots are worse. In my view, I just, uh, I, I don't see any sparks of life. And I, I think, you know, it's not like in the Giants where you can say that injuries are the factor. You know, they've they've got a pretty healthy unit. It's just that everybody on that unit is terrible. You know, I, I think Mac Jones is 
I didn't think he was great his first year and he's regressed since. You know, I I, I didn't massively rate him coming in. Um, and he kind of seems at sixes and sevens. Also, the just the the organization seems a bit at sixes and sevens. It's like they put Mac Jones in every week as the starter and then he's not very good. And then by the third quarter, they put Bailey Zappi in for a bit and then he's not good. And then we go in this weird merry-go-round every week where Bill Belichick's like, oh, I don't know who the starter is. I'm not going to name anybody. And then it's always Mac Jones and he's always the same. So there's no, there doesn't seem to be any impetus or direction to it. There's, you know, at least with the Jets at the this week, they've kind of given Zach Wilson games and stuck behind him and given him their full support and said he's the starter until he continues to play poorly and then they go right he's not the starter he's not even the backup we're going to take him out of the spotlight and it feels like the the Patriots kind of need to do something like that and at least be definitive with what it is either throw your weight behind Mac Jones and say no he's our long-term future we need to get better around him or you need to go yeah we're ditching him we're going to give Bailey Zappi a run, but it, they're in this weird no man's land where neither knows who's the starter and neither expects to be starting and finishing a game. It's odd. Um, Giants, weird. Who saw that coming? They, do you know what? They came to play and they're, they're not going down without a fight. What was it? Seven takeaways? Eight takeaways from against the commanders who were not a terrible team all over, generally speaking. Um, but sheesh, they went at it. They let DeVito play and it, it kind of worked. Um, what I liked about it was they, you know, in the in the weeks where DeVito started before, they were conservative. They tried to do short plays and, you know, a lot more screens and slot plays and run the ball a lot. This time they kind of just went, yeah, do you know what? The season's the season. Let's just go for it. And, you know, they got Saquon involved, not just in the run game, but they got him running downfield, lined him out wide and just basically made the best of their best playmaker. Um, So I liked that. And I just like that they were aggressive. You know, they just went for it. And it kind of feels like the Giants need to do that because it's it's this situation now where the season's gone. You know, they're not going to. I hate to say it, but the Panthers are going to get the first pick again because they suck. And Bryce Young is not very good. Um, but you know they ju- they should just go for it and see what they've got because they've got some good players, they've got some bad players as well. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know when I I don't know why other teams don't just go for it. You know when they're 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 that poor, that's the kind of week they needed to have because they've had a few weeks where they've been conservative and they've been safe and then they just get beat because they're not very good. But just at least go out without a fight. And it's kind of that Lions attitude that we spoke about on Tuesday. You know, don't have any quit in you. Go 110% for the game. Because ultimately, you're putting yourself on tape. If nothing else, you're putting yourself on tape, right? So just go be aggressive. Go and make plays. And I like that it was almost, (laughs) it felt like the first week where they went, oh, yeah, do you know what? Saquon Barkley's amazing. We should probably just get him involved rather than just, running him into a trench 50 times a game and then wondering why he doesn't do anything like be creative and they were they were that and it was good so interesting but ultimately neither are good teams so there you go it's the importance of the quarterback position isn't it again whatever you have if you don't have a quarterback you're going to look pretty ordinary um 
I don't like what the Patriots are doing, saying it could be any one of four, because if it could be any one of four, the problem is no one of those four is going to be properly prepared. We were talking about Drew Locke on this week's pods and how ill-prepared he looked. Actually, I don't think it's a Drew Locke point. I think if you have not been getting starting reps in practice, you very often look ill-prepared coming into a game. So I think I think there are problems with the Patriots at quarterback. Certainly, there seems to be a limitation with Tommy DeVito. Yes, his best performance came last week, but quite what we can expect of him, we don't know. So when it came to which team I put in Club Dub, I thought about who who's going to disrupt more? Who is going to make a bad quarterback's afternoon even harder work when it comes to this game? And for as much as you've got the greatest defensive mind in Bill Belichick on one side, I'm going to actually pick out a play that we haven't actually mentioned so far in um, Taven Thibodeau, who I think, look, he's not Miles Garrett, but he's definitely got that kind of ability to just chase down a quarterback and be disruptive down after down after down. So for me, in a game where two equally poor teams need a difference maker, I can see it being him. And for that reason, I never thought I'd do this this season. The New York Giants are finding themselves in club dub. Drink up, boys. I feel like singing that song out of Disney's Dumbo. You know that thing? I've seen a horse fly, but I ain't ever seen an elephant fly. Hopefully that's not copyrighted. Um, But yeah, I never thought I'd be putting the Giants into Club Dub, but there they go. Yes, famous with their lack of copyright and, and, you know, oversight of their materials, the Walt Disney Company. Yeah, very lenient. Yeah, our friends yeah. at Walt Disney. Can we call them that? Probably not. Sure. <laughs> uh, tell you, <laughs> you what, I've given them enough money over the years. I got married there, so uh, they, they owe us one, right? There's a name drop. Look at look at Aldrin getting in the fact. We, he's got we weren't supposed life to tell us. people that because you're meant to be the eligible one of the pod. Yeah. I, I think that time's come and gone, mate. <laughs> yeah. I, I just went registry office. Oh, no, nobody nobody wants to. Sorry. Sorry. I got sidetracked there with uh, wedding chatter, but then we're just going to hand Maybe that can be on the After Dark podcast that we did over <laughs> yeah. Christmas. More, the, more the sordid tales of your stag do where your mum was there. You've made that sound dreadful. We went go-karting and for Chinese food. Um, but, but yeah, maybe, maybe we can talk about our weddings in the off-season and allow JB to just imagine his own perfect yeah. wedding. And then I'll get an invite to the evening only that's that's normally the way it goes anyway gentlemen it was wonderful in fact so wonderful i'm going to claim it for well i don't know probably the hundredth straight show as gold standard podcasting i can't wait for our special thanksgiving slate and i also can't wait to get back together next tuesday and talk through all this wonderful stuff again it's a treat as always gents um have yourselves a great thanksgiving nfl week happy holidays Happy American Thanksgiving.